Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. And this week we're examining a new model for forecasting ISIS attacks that uses social media data. So, Nick, um, sketch this out for us. Tell us about this new model, please. Yeah, this is uh, about a paper that was published in Science recently, um, written by Dr. Neil Johnson at the University of Miami and, and his team. And, uh, he, well, he's a physicist and has developed um, an approach to analysing ISIS social media activity that um, actually doesn't quite do what the headlines suggest it does, which is that the sort of the way it's been reported is that it will help us predict ISIS attacks and if you look at the paper which is not easy it's not it's not a straightforward thing to follow it's not actually totally clear uh, exactly what it was that they were they were doing and 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 um, how they were using uh, the information that they had but uh, as as far as I understand what it's doing it's trying to look at the dynamics of uh, ISIS activity online and um, with a suggestion that the those online dynamics correspond to real world events so the, the 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 approach they've used is something very interesting that certainly that would not have been possible 10 years ago um so um effectively what what they do is they look for these online what they call aggregates and an aggregate is something where you have on a social network so whether it's facebook or in fact they they mainly use data from v contact which is a i think a russian social media um platform uh which is is not as routinely interdicted by um law enforcement uh authorities mm-hmm. as as um uh, Facebook is and they looked for basically clusters of followers who, who all followed each other so eventually you know they would start with one clear node which was a pro ISIS node look for followers of that node look for followers of those followers and and identify it, it, these emergent uh, clusters these aggregates mm-hmm. and um, what I think they demonstrate but not very clearly but I think they the suggestion is that when these these aggregates have a dynamic of their own so they start small they cluster together they, they build up and the suggestion is that when there's a sufficiently large cluster when the aggregate is, is sort of big enough that that is a predictor of an attack and, and they generate some predictions from that they suggest that actually you might be able to disrupt terrorist attacks by stopping these clusters growing by, by interdicting and shutting down those clusters before they have a chance to get big enough um, it's um, you know they, they say that they've uh, and they identified using this method 196 pro ISIS aggregates mm. um, and uh, that with a total of about a hundred thousand individual followers mm. and uh, you know that tells you straight away that it, what it what it isn't going to be doing is predicting ISIS terrorist attacks because there have only been a handful at least in the West um, and uh, you know not not there hasn't been something like 200 so so but you know it's it's an interesting approach anyway and i, I think it um you know it, it's interesting in that it tries to do something which is has only recently become possible um, so sorry is it meant to predict anything at all no, it's it's me- it, there's the suggestion and again i don't this is not i i don't think the paper demonstrates this although they may well have done this but the the suggestion is that the the emergence of these large aggregates mm. is a forward indicator of an attack but what it definitely doesn't do it's not going to predict a total lone wolf somebody who has no presence on mm. social media and it also isn't going to tell you where uh, these things are going to uh, happen. So, so it's not, you know, it's it's a limited use 
from a law enforcement, from a tactical point of view. But from a strategic point of view, you know, if if we were thinking, well, when do we need to start worrying? When do we need to step up our security? Yeah, you know, it, it it has the it has the promise of providing at least some more evidence for that. But but I think the reason we want to talk about this today is more the the general theme of, you know, how do we of using social media data and and which the data set is very big to draw out conclusions that in the past would we would have relied on, you know, policy experts to okay. to, to do. Great. Uh Peter, pick this up and run with it. So I well I think it's interesting it's useful to consider what social media can tell you. So if you, if you if you're designing a a data collection scheme as part of a system, you usually have a specific question in mind. So you tailor the data collection to suit that question you want to answer. And this this is a reverse situation where the thing exists um, and the data is there for a particular purpose. Um, what what else can it tell us other than what it's there for? So social media data um, generally is about the social networks that it supports. So it's who knows who, who converses with who, who likes what things. So, and it's uh, it's often harvested for deciphering people's preferences for marketing campaigns. So your your Facebook stream is sensitive to the things that you have liked in the past, mm. uh, potentially the things that you have clicked on and dwelt on, and it will show you more of those by preference than things that you've skipped over. So that it that that's that's kind of what it's being used mm-hmm. for. So that so that 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 potentially has useful utility in in defense security. So if you have people who like um, bad things or things that you consider bad, then you can use the same data to 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 weed out who those people are, uh, and and to to. Um, to sort of uh, see what the associations are with people and their preferences, um, and likewise, you can see who's talking to who. So I think that's the generally the methodology that this paper refers to. It's it's, it's um, the, the, these these bubbles of concern um, give you uh, an indication of where the, where where things are like where the problems are likely to come from. So, but I think what as Nick said, it's not going to help you predict the lone wolf, and it won't. Uh, help predict any organizations with mature uh, oper- operational security so people who don't talk online or social media who are who you know so the, the, the the spy agents around the world are quite mature in this and they they have their encrypted encrypted communication channels so um, you won't pick up much stuff in in the data however it the, there may be holes there may be gaps in the data so if somebody is um, is not using social media at all, that might indicate to you that there's something odd with them. If if they're the sort of person you'd expect they were, but are choosing not to for some reason, then there's there's potentially there's the, 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 the lack of data can tell you quite a lot. Okay. Um, so far, so good. Um, I mean, this is very similar to... I mean, Google searches are, are used in a similar kind of way, right? So... I remember again going back to my days when I was a country risk analyst, and I think I was—I think it was Rabobank or something—and they have their own uh, country risk unit as well. And one of the things they'd looked at is they've got all this quantitative data about for forecasting for a second recession. And I think this was back in 2010, let's say, um, or even 2009. Um, 
and they thought, well, you know, what are all the different ways that we could use what tools have we got available to, 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 to work out the probability of a second recession? And I know that one of the things they relied on was um, Google searches. And so, so they, um, they just did a search or got data on people typing in double, di- double dip recession and, um, and frequency of that. Whether it was useful or not, I don't know. Um, but um, <laughs> well, I know. There's, a very, there's a very famous, actually, example. It's often used as a cautionary tale, I think probably very unfairly, but of Google flu, which, which did a very similar thing to try, and, to try and predict where there were going to be flu outbreaks. And it, it um, essentially looked at ser- flu-related search terms, so people who were looking up, you know, what the what symptoms like having a runny nose or a fever. And uh, when Google ran this on the, on the past data, uh, it seemed to be a, a produce a, a quite a robust predictive model, mm-hmm. um, but then the there was a sort of structural change which stopped it being predictive, which is that um, you know because Google uh, uh, actually started suggesting flu things uh, it got you know, Google was good enough to to give you um, appropriate search terms. The search data itself then stopped. You know, there, there started to be a circularity in it, which which meant that the the model um, stopped having the same degree of predictive usefulness. Um, so that's the observer affecting the model um, by ceasing to be an observer. In yeah, fact, I mean, being it's, more, it's yeah. sometimes rolled out to say, oh, you know, people who, who perhaps don't think or haven't don't really understand what you know big data means to say, oh, look at that big data can't can't really solve our problems. It's very unfair because it's actually just it's quite a quite a specialized kind of case actually that sort of thing sure. i mean by and large you know we what we have here is the issue where and i think this paper is a good example uh where you you we now the information has long since stopped being in a lot of these cases stopped being the constraint the constraint is actually our ability to generate insights about what is creating that data and here is an example where you know in this paper they've developed a sophisticated model a model that um, a machine would not be able to develop. So this is this is a model that is, um, you know, has been designed to try and capture what we think will describe social media activity. So sorry, and then sorry, the sorry. The data is being used to test that. Sorry, why? Sorry, can you clarify that why a machine wouldn't be able to to generate this? Which oh, is the the general the ge- the problem of um, sort of generalized model development. So if you have a reasonably complex system. Uh, where you know the, there isn't a very clear linear relationship between some values, um, some parameters, and output data. Uh, that the the problem of sort of fit, generally just fitting a model to data is a really really hard one that is nowhere near solved. You know, at the moment there isn't anything where you can just you can give a load of data to a machine and it will tell you what the most likely uh, data generating process was that produced that data so it's not that is something that at the moment still requires human input to be able to generate theories about what might be driving that data what might be producing that data and then the machine what the machines are very good at is testing whether okay. that theory is consistent with the okay. data we have got it peter but i think it's 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 um, machine learning will generate a statistical model which is a model for the 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 system that's producing that data it won't explain the physical processes within the system but it's 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 an approximation that you can then use to predict based on different inputs um and i think then i was i was at, I was at a, a, a google conference slash training session yesterday um uh, and uh, machine learning as a thing you can uh, you can use 
is now in the hands of the consumer. Um, there are there are other cloud platform providers available, but Google have a, a an advanced a, a mature system that for a small subscription pay per use contract you you can you can design your own um, your own systems to make use of their machine learning infrastructure to generate your own systems. So I think that to me that's an indicator that. Um, the machine learning has reached a certain level of maturity and is mass dem- democratizing the, these advanced computer science capabilities. And I think they'll only ever get better. Great. Let's have a little bit of free consultancy then. So um, what does this mean for me? Uh, I mean, does this apply for me? And I, I know that you mainly consult to, um, I, th- I think, to large bodies, to large institutions, to government and to commercial organizations, okay? I don't think you consult to to companies of my size, right? Maybe you do, I don't know. I tiny companies. But um, so how could I use that? If So let's say a, 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 an issue I have with my film and photography business is, is, is building, is growth, essentially, finding customers, essentially. So how can I go to Google and use their information, this sort of information that you're talking about to get new customers and to build my business? Well, I'll address that in a minute, but I can guarantee you've already used their capabilities. Oh, I have? Yeah. So really? if you've ever okay. used Google Images and um, asked it to look up a picture of a dog, yeah. it's... I do that every day. That's, that's using... that's you, If you look... Or, or cats or kittens. Then no, that's, no, I don't do cats. That, 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 that is using the same infrastructure that you can now, you can now rent to, to, to do your own thing. So, um, and, and if you've ever used uh, the Translate, uh, Google yeah, Translate, yeah. or yeah. Um, and, uh, it's and an amazing system, actually, amazing system, and more and and more and more third-party developers are going to start using this to provide new and exciting services. So you'll 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 there'll be more apps available for built on this infrastructure to do to do cool things. To answer your question of how you might grow your uh, your exposure or your market share um good question let me think about that okay well i've i can i can i can at least uh, something go make me a millionaire well one of the big issues one one of the great unsolved problems in entertainment is what why (laughs) people why why some films are successful and some aren't Okay. And why some books are, you know, what you in general with these sorts of things, uh, especially in this day and age when uh, entertainment could be consumed by anyone, yeah. is you tend to have a few massive hits and a huge number, long tail of mm. of uh, things that lose money. So, what would be hugely valuable for you, as well as for you know Disney and um, uh, and uh, the other big studios, is coming up with some way of predicting how successful. A particular film will be mm-hmm. um uh, that is the kind of thing uh there is a quantification challenge uh which is you know what actually how do we quantify variables like how stirring the music is or how handsome the lead is or how convincing the the uh story is those things are hard to quantify but we but we uh, you know this opens the possibility that we can start to build models of those things mm. so you know if we want to predict how uh good film music is we now you know have the computational power to be able to to codify music uh, we we you know to to classify its shape and its structure and and then to correlate that with um you know things like listens or sales yeah. uh so so you know that it opens these possibilities up 
Now we know we know in those real world problems we're a long way from solving, um, but but you know we we are it's not impossible to imagine that happening so, quite soon. So to, to work to, hold on, I'll come back. To, sorry, I know you're going to answer my question, but but I suspect that studios and and big music producers, record labels, etc already do that quite a lot well, you suspect wrongly no no, no 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 i bet they already do i think they do already use that data and they just but this is a refining of it i think and that they might not make use of yet but i think that's why you get so many average sort of you get this kind of homogenization in these sort of summer blockbuster films because that's kind of what they're doing film. Yeah. sorry Yet another superhero. Film. Yeah, exactly. Do so, we need another Spider-Man remake? Right. You know, the last ones have sold well, so let's just keep flogging that. Right. Exactly. I mean, and a sophisticated model would take account of yeah. super of Spider-Man fatigue. There's yeah. a yeah. <laughs> God, yes, yeah, Spider-Man fatigue. I get that most nights. Um, there's um, there's do you know the the, the book uh, Data is Beautiful or something like that. Information is beautiful. Information is beautiful. Sorry, have you seen that? David McCandles. It's a beautiful book, and there's some really interesting bits in it. But one of them is they have three years worth of of films, and they plot it on an X Y basis with budget versus box. Um, no, no, sorry, um, box office success um, on the X. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Y axis on the on the, the vertical axis on the vertical. Let's yeah on the on the vertical axis and and the Y one being um, X one. <laughs> horizontal axis the horizontal line um being um critical success and yeah. then actually no 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 no. oh yeah and then and then the size of the thing is budget yeah because it's, the size it's a small so it's a bubble yeah. chart yeah yeah and then and then the other thing is they actually color them to what kind of story it is genre. as well yeah to genre exactly interesting so yeah. i mean because because i what is the correlation between so let's let's assume we can use something like rotten tomatoes mm. uh to give us a sense yeah. of the the critical uh, yeah, claim yeah. and obviously box office is quite measurable so yeah. what what is the correlation um i think there's actually oh god i can't remember if the, I, i'd like to say is, I it, is it clear or is no it sort of... it's surprisingly unclear right i mean and what's really nice is every now and again you see, um, you know, quite a small little um, dot, whatever it is, way up in the right-hand corner, uh, which is nice, yeah? Yeah, But, um, but sometimes but, quite satisfying, you see a huge one that's way sort of off to the left. Yeah, but what this suggests, actually, which is actually quite tragic, I think, is yeah. that as a, as a um, if you are aiming to produce box office success as a studio, you, you probably can ignore trying to get critical success. Peter, you were going to answer my question about yeah. how I can use Google, this, these Google tools. Yeah, so... So assuming that we can build you uh, a, a, a package of analysis using the, the, these machine learning platforms cheap enough to make it worth your while, what we could do is we could we could take your um, your current offerings, your, all the films you made and all the shows you produced, mm. crunch those and, and, and try to model what the the common parameters are in that. So it might be, you know, if, if we're talking about film, it might be sort of the, the dark, dark and moodiness, the romantic quantity quantity mm. um sort of the the the, the classifications of, of these things of, of these of these um productions we could then we could then track we could then take the the, the data that you've 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 tracked of who's watched your movies online mm. uh and who listens to your podcast that mm. you produce uh, and and see if there's a correlation between types of people and types of product mm. how long they watch for and when they switch off yeah exactly so we can we can we, we could we could we could model what your how successful your 
your productions are. Uh, and that, that that tells you a lot. That tells you sort of what type of people you appeal to. So you could market directly to those mm. people that you, with stuff you've already produced. Mm. And it shows you what parts of the market you are not accessing. Mm. So it might it, it suggests you to tailor your artistic content to open up new markets. Yeah, if I could get you to do that for me, that I would do that. Um, very, very, very briefly, anything you want to say at the end there before we finish? Okay, yes, so Peter? So I think the, 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 the analysis of people's sentiment and who they uh, are associated with and what they say online, what they, you know, what they say they might do online, um, I don't, uh, the, the, you have to be careful because that, that, that will suffer from similar things that polling data suffers from, the disconnect between people's stated intent and then their actual behaviour. Uh, there's, a, there's a difference when you say, so will do, will you vote on next week to leave the EU? Mm. Um, a lot more people might say no than actually then go to say yes in the poll. How does that connect to the ISIS thing? How does that? I mean, well, if you're if you're if you're if you're um, looking at the associate, if you say just just looking at these these collections, these aggregates of people, um, and they are centered around uh, um, particular clerics who are very very anti-west or very very pro-islamic state um just just by association alone it doesn't necessarily mean that they fully believe or will fully commit to a, to any particular uh direction so that that it may be bravado young men just wanting to go along with the crowd and and, and be the you know um talk the big and um that Got it. but it might but they some of them might be genuinely uh uh quite sort of um worrisome in Got it. Okay, great. Good note to wrap up on. Um, thank you, chaps. Um, so we explored all sorts of things there, but essentially around the theme of big data. Um, so I'm Fraser McGrewer. Um, we've been here with the Cognitive Engineering Podcast with Aleph Insights with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, thank you and goodbye. Mm-hmm.